0: All right, just doing a quick mic check. Can everybody online hear us? Okay, somebody online, Kate or Patrick or Paul, if you wouldn't mind speaking really quick, just make sure we can hear you too.
1: This check is Schumacher.
0: Okay, that should be good. Um, so I'll go ahead and Get the meeting started. Um, So we have the agenda. So, John, if you have that pulled up, if you want to go ahead and. Yes, did we know about Shannon Kimball? Is she going to be here?
2: I'm sorry? Shannon Kimball. Uh, No, she will not. Apologies. Oh, okay. No problem. So we got five, though. So we're good. Okay. Yep. Uh, First order of uh, meeting today is to approve the minutes from September 13, 2023. Could I get a first on that?
3: I was not at the meeting, so I don't think I can uh, move. So move.
4: I have a similar situation, as Gene does.
1: I think, based upon my understanding, I, I can move that they that to approve the minutes.
2: Thank you very <laughs> much, Kate, and I'll be a second. All in favor, say aye. 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 Any opposed by nay? Any abstains? I'll abstain. Abstain, okay. And Paula, was that an aye for you?
1: Yes,
2: that was an aye. Okay, so so, uh, four ayes, zero nays and one abstain. Uh, next order of business is the election of a chair uh, my first term is up uh, at the end of this month i have requested a second appointment uh, so whatever if the body would like i'd be more than happy to stay on as chair or or in any other capacity as well uh anybody would like to put a motion for chair as well
3: first motion this is gene dorsey i move that john remain as chairman thank you Gene.
4: Mr. kelly second
3: thank you very much mr kelly, commissioner kelly uh,
2: uh. We'll just go down the list as uh, far as approve. Uh, Gene Dorsey? Aye. Commissioner Kelly? Aye. Uh, let's see, Shannon Kimball is absent. Uh, Kate Lorenz? Aye. And I'm an aye. And Paul Shoemaker? Schumacher, Schumacher, aye. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. And it passes five to zero. Uh, election of a vice chair. Anybody like to make a motion for that?
3: Are you interested, Paula? I'm not interested.
4: (laughs) How about you, Gene? Are you interested? Uh,
3: I can do it. I think this is probably uh, maybe the last meeting of the committee anyway, depending on when the uh, city commission abolishes it. But uh, I'm willing to do it if nobody else is.
2: I'd like to second that. So we have a first motion uh, for Gene Dorsey for vice chair. I'll be the second motion for that. All approved, say aye. 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 Any opposed with an a nay? Motion passes five to zero. On to number B2, to consider a request from Turn Turnhalu LLC for an industrial bond IRB financing to obtain a sales tax exemption on construction materials and labor, the establishment of a neighborhood revitalization act to receive a rebate on improved property tax value, and the establishment of a Community Improvement District to implement an additional 2% sales tax to complete a historic rehabilitation on the Turnhalu uh, building located at 900 Rhode Island Street, Lawrence, Kansas. And I'll turn it over to you, Sam.
0: Yeah, uh, thanks for reading my giant block of text. Um, I always like making that as hard as possible for you all. Uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna go ahead and share my screen. Um, we can go ahead and get started. So I'm going to walk through this presentation and then just for um, the benefit of all of the PERC members, we also have online um, Kevin Wempe with Gilmore and Bell, who represents the city's bond council, um, who can speak to items related to the IRB. Um, he, uh, they also helped us put together the agreement for the CID, the additional sales tax. Um, and then we also have Sheldon Bartell with Grow America, uh, formerly NDC, who helped put together the, um, the but for analysis. Um, And I just want to make sure, can everybody see the presentation? Okay, great. Get that out of the way. Um, So just a quick overview of the items we'll be walking through. um, The project, the request, the analysis, the considerations that we had, and staff's recommendation. Um, So a high-level overview of the project, Um, it will be, um, the Turnhall building is, uh, will be built on the one lot uh, that it's currently underutilized um, for a relatively lengthy period of time, um, located at 900 Rhode Island Street. Um, The current plans call for a complete rehabilitation of the historic building um, per the covenants that have uh, been placed on the property. Um, This will include some structural improvements, uh, mainly the windows, floors, exterior rehabilitation, and ADA compliance. Um, you can see on the top there, that table just represents the square footage of um, the, the different levels, the square footage, and kind of what will be the primary use of those. Um, so the request from the applicant. Um, the applicant had asked for a 15-year, 85% um, neighborhood revitalization area rebate. Um, after evaluation from the staff, um, from city staff, um, we've recommended a 70%. NRA rebate. Um, The other two items remain unchanged, um, so it will be a 20-year, 2% additional sales tax um, through the Community Improvement District. Um, With the CID, or with the additional sales tax, um, a cap is placed on that, so it's not continuous. Um, for 20 years, it is uh, related to what staff has identified as the funding gap for this project. Um, so that will be either 20-year period or um, until 1.9, roughly $1.9 million has been collected from that sales tax to the developer, um, whichever comes first. And then lastly, the industrial revenue bonds um, for the purpose of a sales tax exemption on construction materials and labor. Um, so just a reminder to everybody, the uh, neighborhood revitalization area is a property tax rebate program. Um, it only applies to the incremental valuation of the property, um, and all base property value is shielded, um, and they continue to pay the property taxes on that base value. Um, so here's a, a graphic and some details on how on how that will play out. Um, so the approximate base tax payment currently is about $4,100. Um, this is permanently shielded through the life of the NRA, and I'll say that $4,100 is split between all three taxing jurisdictions. So the the, the percentages that each of us um, that each of the jurisdictions usually get out, um, it's portion of that. Um, The approximate collected increment um, per staff's recommendation that 30% um, will be between $12,000 and $19,000 over the course of the 15 years. Um, Again for between all jurisdictions Um, and then the approximate NRA rebate that will be that 70% um, that will be about $28,000 to $45,000 annually throughout the life of the project. Um, just so that we can see the breakdown for the city itself. Um, the amount collected currently in- will, includes the current amount that they collect plus that 30% increment, um, but that, the amount reimbursed is the breakdown of that, um, that portion of that uh, 28 to 45,000 annually. Um, so you'll see at the end, it's an approximate $163,000 over 15 years for the city. Um, just, some, just a reminder of all the previous NRA projects that the city has approved. Uh, most recently, the New Hampshire Lofts and 700 New Hampshire, um, kind of running the gamut between um, affordable housing and um, pure commercial redevelopment. Um, for the Community Improvement District or the CID, um, I know we have this board hasn't seen. Um, this incentive, an incentive request like this since the uh, KU crossing project. So as a reminder, um, this would be an additional sales tax um, only at this property of 2%. Um, Again, there is a cap to the reimbursement for eligible expenses. Um, Staff has determined that number to be about, um, to be approximately $1.9 million for this project. Um, And the way that's set up is through an ordinance that establishes a district and then sets the terms as presented in the development agreement. And then lastly, the industrial revenue bonds. Um, Again, for a sales tax exemption only, um, this is a conduit financing mechanism. The city is not on um, the hook or liable for the issuance of these bonds. Um, And there is, um, in that table you'll see below, the uh, estimated sales tax exemption for the applicant would be roughly $260,000. And then as part of the origination fee for the city, um, that's to be paid is approximately $20,000. Um, going through the cost benefit analysis, um, you'll see here um, we do a 20 year analytical period so that way we can see what happens um, once the project comes back onto the tax rules as well so we can get a full picture of what that looks like. Um, you can see for the city county and school district it's well above um, our usual rate of about 1.25 the city sees a a ratio of 5.31 with those uh, cost estimates broken out there as as far as incentive goes Um, this is just a short Uh, kind of overview Um, if you did look through the technical report towards the bottom you'll see kind of the full breakout Um, a lot of the cost benefit mainly comes from the sales tax that's a part of this project Um, the city the expected uh, sales that go on in the building will um, the city uh, will see a great benefit from that so that's where we had this high number from Um, Just some some final considerations. Um, The project is in alignment with our policy as well as the city's comprehensive plan, Plan 2040. Um, It meets our goals of increasing historic rehabilitation and investing in in community arts and culture. Um, The historic covenant on the property uh, does determine the standards of rehabilitation and use, um, kind of limiting the ability to rehabilitate in what a developer might consider the most cost-effective manner um, and incorporating use that has a high return on investment. Um, So staff's recommendation, um, we do uh, believe that the project meets the requirements for all the incentive requests that have been made, um, but we do uh, recommend that change from an 85% NRA to a 70% NRA rebate. Um, And we do have the applicant team here. um, If they want to just take a few brief minutes to, we have some visuals that they have. um, We can go through that as well. Perfect. Thanks, Sam. Um,
5: my name's Patrick Watkins. I should ask, is this the time, Sam? Am I up at the right yeah, time? Yep. Okay, cool. Um, commissioners and chair. My name is Patrick Watkins. I'm an attorney. I am representing Turnhalla LLC. Um, it's owned by local businessman Zarif uh, Hawk and his wife Mamie. Um, Mike Myers is here with me, and then there's a couple uh, public commenters. But I'm really pleased to be here. Um, in a way, this is another opportunity to celebrate a really great preservation achievement. Um, It's taken about ten years to get to this point, um, but it's been an effort that's gone on over a decade to really save a significant part of Lawrence history. Um, You've seen that there is a letter in the packet from the Lawrence Preservation Alliance. It gives you a little bit of a history of what's happened at this building over the last 10 years. But it was it was rescued. It was at the brink of demolition by neglect. Um, the LPA, it's a local nonprofit group called the Lawrence Preservation Alliance. They recognize the historical importance of the building. Um, remarkably, they raised the money to purchase the building from its current owner. Um, they sought out, received a grant to replace the roof. Um, they put a covenant on the property, and they got it historically designated. And I've heard it said more than once, but it can't uh, be overstated. It's it's really a miracle that this building is still standing. It's it's the oldest community building in Lawrence. Um, and and if you haven't, if you don't know what we're talking about, we're we're talking about the building at Ninth and in, in Rhode Island. It's really something that if you've driven by or walked by it, um, you've seen the potential of a really amazing old building that could be rehabbed. But it takes an incredible risk. Uh, LPA was the first group to take that risk, and they saved the building. Um, Since the time of those actions, um, they created a plan. Um, And the plan was to await a future developer to take on the project, but to get it protected, to get it from doing further damage, and prepare it from what we have today, which is someone willing to take a risk on the building. I would like to have Mike come up and show you some pictures, talk about the, the project and the plans. Um, for us, this is part of a planning process that's taken us through the Historic Resource Commission. Um, we've had to meet with the, the State uh, Historical Society. We've had to talk with the National Park Service. There's a, a number of stakeholders that are watching this project and that we've had to, had to seek uh, approvals from. Um, but I'll let Mike look at the plans and, and show you what um, what we're planning for this property, and then I'll wrap it up with a couple of concluding comments. Come on up, Mike.
6: Good afternoon, uh, Mike Myers with Hernley Associates Architects. I'm really thrilled to be able to talk to you guys about this project. Um, uh, just on a personal level, I've lived in East Lawrence for 30 years, and I've walked by this building so many times, and um, it is—it's—it's it's a really remarkable. That this building is as old as it is and is um, as almost untouched as a building as you can imagine of its age. Um, in, for context, it's 34 years older than the Douglas County Courthouse. Um, and in its, uh, you know, over 150 years, it's it's had so few tenants that um, there are surfaces in it that probably have never been refinished, floors that have probably never been refinished, um, paint that may be original. Um, it's, it's uh, you know to. to Consider what it has as deferred maintenance is almost uh, comical in that it's it's uh, it really hasn't it has it's it's a complete sort of lack of maintenance uh, over over the years. But in that sense, it's it's really remarkable that it still exists. Um, and what I'm going to do is uh, is walk you kind of around the outside of it and just talk a little bit about um, the things that um, uh, are going to make this project difficult. Um, um, right now, you're looking at the west facade of the building. Um, it, it looks pretty, pretty good uh, in that view, but if you, could look, if you could see closer, you'd notice a bunch of cracks uh, around, um, especially above the arch uh, in the front and, and, and then at the uh, right-hand corner of the building. Um, and if you want to go ahead and advance we're just going to kind of walk around this this is the corner of the building that has recently had to be completely rebuilt from the foundation up uh, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second go ahead and advance um, we're starting to walk around to the uh, east to the north side of the building and you know you can see these old windows that have been in in the building since since the eighth 1869. Um, and part of the cost of doing historic rehabilitation is, uh, you know, the windows are part of a character defining feature and they need to be restored properly, not just replaced. Um, they have to be removed and, and um, all the missing pieces refabricated by, by specialized craftsmen. Go ahead and advance, thank you. Um, and again, going a little bit further around, you can see the first addition to the building that was built um, probably in the, uh, after the first 20 years or so of its existence. Um, this is on the east end of the building. And this addition was done to create a stage. And you will see the interior of the building in a minute. But you can kind of see the, the condition of the the windows in that. And, he, and here, we actually have the windows removed. They are, have been moved to a shop where they're being uh, essentially rebuilt, um, all the missing parts uh, or, or damaged parts rebuilt. Um, and you can see the condition of the wood siding on the back that is uh, that needs to be uh, Um, repaired and and, uh, some boards replaced Um, you can see the entrance to the uh, lower basement storefront area uh, that used to be the free state glass Um, go ahead and and advance please and then we're now around the east side and again you can see the condition of the windows um, and the condition of the stonework Uh, and one more and then we'll go talk about the corner a little bit Um, maybe two more Uh, That is the south, there we go, and we're good, there there we go, that's the south elevation at the the rear end and you can see that part has some asbestos uh, laden um, siding that needs to be uh, abated and uh, the condition of the siding below it uh, um, (coughs) assessed. And uh, maybe advance one or two more here. There's the front. You can see that the steps are in bad shape. Um, one of the things about the building, uh, you know, there really weren't uh, much in the way of building codes at the time the building was constructed. So, one of the things that we have to do is figure out how to get people into the building in a safe way and an accessible way. Um, In the case of these front steps, they will be rebuilt, and there'll be a landing at the top so that the doors don't swing out over the steps. And in the case of this building now, you would have to effectively stand one or two risers down to be able to open the door. Um, Go ahead and advance. And this is the corner of the building that uh, was structurally in the worst shape. It is sort of belled out. Uh, The walls are are, are bulging out. And uh, go ahead and advance. Some significant cracking there. Go ahead and advance. The condition of the stone, uh, over time, the mortar falls out of the joints. But just by virtue of freeze and thaw, the buildings move a little bit. And so one of the aspects of the work is to go and cut back any loose mortar and and repoint the entire building using the appropriate hardness uh, historic mortars. Um, And that's what you're seeing happening there. Um, And then advance. Uh, now, uh, in this view, you can see that they've completely disassembled from ground up this corner. And um, what we found in assessment of the building is that uh, at the earliest stage of the building, um, when the, ba- the, the it did not have a basement underneath it, a basement was constructed. Uh, under the main hall by excavating uh, the floor down uh, an additional two or three feet. And when they did that, go ahead and advance. I'm going to show you a slide here. Go ahead and advance. One more. Uh, there. You can actually see in that view, you can see the oldest foundation is actually above the newer foundation that's below. And what they did in order to build the basement is that they, uh, they excavated just from the inside, and they tucked this new wall just slightly under the original wall. And I don't know if you can see it in the view, but what's happened is the oldest part of the wall that's, again, above the lower part is tipping outward. So you know, at, at the, in order to create the basement uh, I- at an early stage, they, they ended up causing problems structurally for the building 150 years later. It took a while, but um, now part of the cost of, of salvaging the building, saving the building, is, is uh, repairing that issue at, at the worst part. And we believe that that same condition doesn't exist around on the north side, because we're not seeing the same damage. Go ahead ahead and advance. A couple there. There's a couple more views of that excavation uh, and repair work. Um, That was an an emergent situation that we were actually afraid that corner was going to collapse. On the interior of the building, we're we're seeing a couple pictures here. This is the balcony. Um, The balcony is suspended actually by two steel rods from the roof. Um, Part of what we're trying to do to make this building a functional building again, uh, part of what we have to do is meet uh, current uh, building codes uh, for the amount of load that will go on certain areas like the balcony and the floor. And in order to meet uh, the 100 pounds per square foot, uh, in some cases 125 uh, for the stage, uh, we have to basically go in and re- Uh, reframe uh, by the act of sistering another floor joist alongside every floor joist in the building. And I mean every floor joist. Every floor joist in the balcony, every floor joist in the floor has to have another part. added right alongside it to make it strong enough to withstand uh, the weight of all the people we would like to be able to accommodate in the building. And that's a view looking back towards the west. And you can see the, the balcony. And you can see that it has no columns underneath it, which is a character defining feature. Uh, and you can, almost, you can barely see the two steel rods that help support it from the ceiling. But you can imagine um, people dancing and so forth on that. Not a really good situation. So in our new scenario we will be installing a beam across there. This is the area where the the uh, old East wall of the original building would have been it would have been a stone wall, and when they added the addition on the east, they took out the stone wall and made a large opening for the stage. And in doing that, they left the the ends of the old stone wall sort of uh, unsupported. And one of the things we have to do is come back in in on the face of that stage opening and install big steel beams and so forth to to restructure it. Uh, and again, you know, the stage itself needs to have new floor joists tucked in alongside the existing floor joists. Um, the cost of that uh, type of work to maintain the building is is quite extensive. So, um, And I probably, I probably should wrap up pretty soon. Um, go ahead and forward a couple pictures. You can just kind of see the existing conditions here and there. And what I'm going to end up with is the uh, Floor plan. We are replacing the stairs, and I'm going to show you. There's the floor plan. So one of the things we have to do is get enough plumbing in it to meet current building code for the number of people that will be in it. And it had, I think, two toilets in it, not no real bathrooms. So we we're going to end up with nine bathrooms, a commercial kitchen, um, modern heating and cooling systems, fire suppression systems, um, an elevator, uh, two two safe code compliant flights of stairs, um, and and an ADA accessible ramp that will get people uh, from the north side down into the building towards the elevator and to be able to serve all parts of the building. Um, I can certainly answer any questions if anybody has any. Yeah, I,
5: I certainly want to be conscious of, of the time. Let's go to the rendering at the end. One of the first steps we took at the beginning of this project was to, to meet with the experts at Hernley. Mike Myers and Stan Hernley are the only two guys that ought to be designing this property in, in the... Um, Uh, the addition in the historic preservation. They are the experts not only in Lawrence, but I think they're the experts in the state of Kansas. Um, They've they've put a lot of thought into uh, the pictures that you see before you. These pictures end up getting reviewed by the HRC, they get uh, reviewed by the State Historical Society, the National Park Service, and then the LPA before we can do anything. Um, So suffice it to say, um, not only have they put a lot of time and thought into it um, and done an excellent job, but there's a remarkable amount of work. Um, And that's why we're here today, is because we need partnership with the city of Lawrence. Um, And we've done what we can to craft what we think is a very thoughtful incentive application. Um, Sam has uh, done a nice job of describing it. We think it's somewhat simple, um, but... um, As Sam indicated, the staff has reviewed it. Their third party has reviewed it. We worked with uh, Mr. Bartels with Grow America. um, And that was actually a pretty lengthy process. But we're pleased uh, to have uh, received their recommendation. And the staff has noted that they have a condition that they'd like to place on it, essentially adjusting our application from an 85% NRA down to a 70%. And we think that's fine. We think we can make this project work with that slight adjustment. appreciate Sam's help, I, I appreciate um, the work with Mr. Bartels um, and uh, the folks at Gilmore and Bell. This is a fantastic project. It's an opportunity to really save a unique and significant part of Lawrence history. Um, so we're proud to bring it to you all. If there's any questions that you might have about any of this, uh, Mike and I would be happy to respond.
3: This is Gene Dorsey. I had a couple of questions. Uh, how long do you think it will take to fully complete the project once you start
5: it's probably a little bit longer than a one-year construction timeline with what we have left to do um, I think our applications give us about two years to complete it all if I'm remembering things correctly
0: yeah the, the way we have the um, development agreements and the, the um, performance agreement set up is that uh, we have a timeline of some sometime in 2026, as the final completion, receiving the CO, um, along those lines. It is a it's a three-story
5: commercial addition on the back. I think that's a complicated part. The the rehab on the inside is probably more costly, um, but everything is pretty much in place. The emergency repair that needed to be done, we've already done.
3: And I think you said the basement will be the restaurant facility, and then the main or second floor is for events.
5: That's right, we we think of them as collaborative uses. The upstairs is the primary event space. We think that's um, sort of the key to this place. The the downstairs will be um, a commercial, it'll have a commercial kitchen. We think it could have a separate tenant, um, but that tenant needs to be able to use it in coordination
2: with the upstairs.
3: Thank you. Sure.
2: When was the last time, out of curiosity, that this was um In business, um, this building. A business within the building? Yes. I think it was Free State Glass in about
5: 2010. Yeah. And and was that the back, just the back part or? They were were in the basement at that point in time. But um, if you're one of the lucky in Lawrence, you would have attended a party, you know, at any point in time because they had an end of the year party every year. Um, So I think that it was more known for (laughs) the party at the end of the year than it was for the business. Um, But yeah. It's been I'm
0: Kate Lorenz and I can cool. second that
2: good party. Yeah. She's one of the select, I guess. Yeah. And Paul, I believe, has a question. Uh,
1: yes, I'm just uh, if I recall correctly, when uh, the previous owner, the building was linked to the house next to it. And there was a contingency for use of the parking lot across the street. I was just wondering um, is it now just the building or is there still a relationship between the three properties
5: um, there is a, more of a relationship with the parking lot um all, all the house to the south uh, was also purchased by the lpa it was sold to an individual angie blair um, she owns that house we have um, a boundary line agreement in essence, because she extends over the, the Turnhalla park, or boundary line and Turnhalla extends over the boundary line as well. So we've worked out an agreement uh, for maintenance along that line. And she um, has been you know, one of the stops along the way to make sure that everything is that's happening at the Turnhalla um, can, can happen without disrupting her uses. The LPA also bought the parking lot from US Bank to the north across 9th Street. Um, mm-hmm. The developer has an option to purchase that uh, parking lot and will do so, uh, but that option is only available once the developer makes a substantial rehabilitation of the turn Hall building.
1: And then um, another question I had was you mentioned that um, the basement may or may not be uh, rented out to a restaurant. Hopefully it would be. Does that have any impact on the uh, benefits we're considering except that it would be um, or I guess what, what impact does that have? Would that just be on the uh, the revenue generated?
5: Well, certainly the CID, it would have a, um, we think that that's probably the main economic driver for the Community Improvement District. We need sales tax to be produced at this uh, building. Alcohol sales are not technically sales tax sales, um, so it's going to be food, it's going to be merchandise, it's going to be anything that's sold that would be generating a sales tax in the basement. That CID is the main, uh, component of our incentive re- request but again all that money that would be collected is in in addition to what's already naturally correct collected by the city and the state under the sales tax arrangement
1: okay i just i live like a block away from the building, and um, I'm really happy to see work being done on it, but I'm also just a few blocks away from uh, the hotel where a lot of restaurants have cycled through. So that was just the basis for my concern on that question.
4: Patrick, this is Commissioner Kelly. Can you give me a little more background on the Covenant? how you know because one of the arguments for this is that there was a covenant placed on the property that is limiting how it can be used how give us the history of that covenant how that was determined and and what the rationale behind that was
5: sure the lpa purchased the building from rod ernst 2014 a little bit later maybe. And part of its uh, plan was to make sure that it's protected historically. Um, So they got it designated, but they also went one step further. The Covenant is really a historic protection so that anybody that is going to purchase it, rehab it, develop it, is going to comply with with rehabilitation requirements. Um, I think that has a technical, I think all people that that look at this building um, are going to want to do a historic rehab. Um, But one of the technical things that that does is that it's going to limit how you can change the floor plan. You're not going to be able to use it as residences probably. You're not going to be able to cut it up and to create new entrances. I think you're going to be confined. I don't necessarily think that the LPA has required any of that. They just said you have to comply with historic uh, preservation requirements and this has to be a tax credit project. you know, overseen by the state historical society and the National Park Service. Um, so I think most most potential developers uh, would have seen this as a historic preservation opportunity Um, the lpa assured that and then they put a covenant on it to make sure that any uses are going to be approved by the lpa and any designs are going to be approved by the lpa they've been a good partner in this Um, i happen to be an lpa board member and i was involved in writing the covenant at the time i now represent the developer um, and um, they've worked collaboratively up to this point and there has not been any problems and you know deciding what the eventual design's gonna look like. Dennis Brown is also here, and he'll probably make a a public comment and and could uh, speak to the LPA's position on some of these things.
4: Thanks, Patrick. So just making sure I understand sort of the pressures that are here, if the building is not, if it doesn't get these um, incentives, the owner of the building, the current owner of the building, has put in contingencies that says it can't be done for anything else but this. So it's really up to the to the governing bodies to decide if it's willing to comply with the will of the Lawrence Preservation Alliance. Am I understanding that correctly?
5: I think that's one way to characterize it. Uh, these these development agreements are setting in stone that this is going to be, in, uh, you know, the um the intentions of this development project and, and the incentives being granted are meeting the intentions of our development projects. So yes, in, in some ways um, you know, we're setting in stone that this is going to be an event space this is going to be a commercial kitchen. I think there's some flexibility to that at some level if it really doesn't work out. I'm, I'm sure the city would be reasonable in adjusting uh, development agreements to make sure that there's something useful here but it does give the city some rights there. Is that what you're getting at?
4: Yeah, I'm just trying to think about the sequence of events and and if if the property owner is putting a covenant on and then coming back to the governing bodies and saying we put this covenant on and the only way we can conform to the covenant that we put it on is if we provide incentives for historic preservation That that's what i'm just trying to iron out
5: yeah i think
4: think the community were very supportive of historic preservation but just how how we work through that process you know one could argue maybe that it needed to be a more i don't know it's probably fine but it just it gives me pause to think about how that sequence of that could be done differently in a way that doesn't put undue pressure there
5: yeah, I think um, the LPA. Just to clarify, the LPA put these covenants on in 2014. They sold it to Tony Kresnik. At you know, in between, Tony ended up selling it to, to Zarif Hawk. Um, so there's been a couple of trades um, since that time, and I don't know that the LPA uh, would have the the covenant doesn't require um, the incentives here. It, it requires historic preservation tax credits, which is a separate incentive. Um, uh-huh. But uh, in this case, I think just from a practical matter, the LPA has come to recognize that it does need city partnership. It needs city, county, and school board help or or some form of incentive to get this project over the line. I think that's become a reality for everyone. I don't think it was envisioned when the covenant was written, though. Thank you.
2: Sure. Any other questions uh, for the committee here from the advisory board? Sam, would now be a good time for public comments? Uh, Yeah,
0: you can go ahead and start the public comment period. Do you want to go ahead? Thank you. I guess just for the folks in the room, so everything is transparent, we couldn't get our clock to work, I'll be doing it on my phone and I'll give you a countdown. So two, one minute, zero. Is that all
7: right? Okay. Okay. Uh, Good afternoon, Dennis Brown. Uh, I was president of the Lawrence Preservation Alliance from 2006 to 2022. I continue as a board member. Uh, In 2012, LPA bought uh, the Turn Hollow. Many before us had failed. Uh, We were able to get it done. Uh, And our our thought process was: we were trying to save a building that we felt was just a year or two away from being uh, possibly classified as a dangerous structure. In fact. When we bought it in 2012, the following summer, 2013, there was a very rainy summer, and uh, there were a lot of water infiltrations. Uh, water got down into the basement. There was mold. Uh, we lost our occupancy permit in 2013, and the building still does not have an occupancy permit. So all that all that time, uh, by 2014, we had gotten a. Uh, uh, a, a grant, a county uh, heritage conservation council grant, uh, to uh, do what we called a stabilization project for the building. We we never intended to be the vehicle to put this project complete. We knew it was way way beyond our scope, and we had also put ourselves at Great risk in signing the mortgage uh, to own it. There was about a five-year balloon payment on that 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 we couldn't pay. Uh, But we just had to do this and get it started. We did the stabilization project, got the roof done, the water infiltrations were solved. We solved a structural issue that between the building and the addition in the back. We knew there were two structural issues. We solved the first one. The current owner has just solved the second one. Uh, and then we tried to put it on the market. Nobody, we have one minute left? Yep. One minute left, yes. So Tony Kerstnitz bought it after a year of being on the market. Tony worked with this for four or five years, uh, and trying to find a partner and a development plan that would work, Tony wasn't able to work it out. and. He put it on the market, and it went another couple years before Zarif bought it. So just to show you, there's not very many entities out there who can do this project. Um, And we're pretty certain that the current ownership group is thinking more of this as community benefit for this project than profit. This probably isn't the way to go out and make a bunch of profit. It's a very difficult project. I would like to, if I could have another couple of minutes, I could clarify uh, what Patrick is asking about as far as the covenant. Yeah, I just wanna make sure, Kate, I know
0: you had let me know that you had some time constraints and I know we're kind of running up on that, so I just wanna make sure we have enough time for you to make a, for you to be here so we can make a motion.
1: I'm a hard out at 2.45.
0: Okay, um, so it is yeah. 2.41, I, we, yeah. we still have some public comment if you're, no. okay. <laughs> Yeah. I apologize for for cutting everything short, but any comments online? No. Uh, I do not see any. Chair.
2: Okay, uh, would anybody uh, bring back
0: to the advisory board
2: uh, make a comment as far as on that? Uh. As far as on my side, you know, I'm apt to approve it. You know, From what I gather, the staff, is, uh, they've met all the eligibility requirements for this. Uh, it meets the city's goals of investing in the arts and the culture. Of course, it's a long abandoned building uh, from 1869, putting it back into use. you know, It's also on both of the state and national registry and, and the work they've done uh, to get it to the point that was just mentioned by Dennis to get the water issues and the structure. So I'm apt to approve it at this time. And I'd like to hear what you guys have to say.
3: Uh, this is Gene Dorsey. I'm in favor of the project. Uh, it's going to increase tax uh, property tax revenues uh, 30% coming up. And in addition to that, uh, the city will be able to get some uh, fees for sewer, water, trash pickup, and so forth that really aren't in the... Uh, analysis and uh, I think it's uh, preserving a historic building so I'm in favor of the project
1: Yeah, this is Kate I feel uh, the same way also I just appreciate the sort of collaborative nature of how this has been worked on um, and see the economic as well as community benefit <gasps> This is Paula Schumacher. I also am very positive about this project. I think the history of the hall is really amazing and it's also along the art walk that goes into East Lawrence. So I think it fits in really well with uh, the environment in the neighborhood
4: commissioner kelly supportive of the project we as a community value historic resources and want to make sure we preserve historic resources i really want to give a shout out to the lpa for taking what was a huge risk to try to save this building yes sir um and do that work i that that is really significant and anytime we can get um community groups to, to, to work together <laughs> to see to save those things which we as a community feel valuable Um that that's a step in the right direction so thanks to them
2: I agree thank you very much LPA uh, that being said can I get a first motion to approve this
3: this is Gene Dorsey I so move
2: as far as on the second. Second. Call of
1: Schumacher. are we moving uh, to make a motion at the city
2: as far as on Gina, would the motion be at the 70% NRA uh, with the IRB sales tax exemption and the 2% sales tax for 20 years? Yes. That is correct, okay. And Kate, is that correct on how you saw it? Okay. So, I got a first by Gene Dorsey, a second by Paula, um, we we'll just go down, um, we'll just go out. Uh, Jean Dorsey, as far as on your vote? Aye. Aye. Commissioner Kelly? Aye. Kate Lorenz.
1: Aye.
2: I'm an aye as well, and Paula. Aye. Aye. Okay. And it passes five to zero. No nays, no, no abstains. There, and, eight. <laughs> and absent would be Shannon Kimball. Uh, seeing no further comment from anybody from uh, present or online, I'd make like a m- motion to adjourn, and we're adjourned. Gene Dorsey has
3: to so move.
1: Thanks, everyone.
3: Thank you, Kate.